Across the Netflix stream, I'm Ward. This is your resource for Netflix. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Twitter, and Facebook. Cross the Netflix stream. Contact us. Let us know what you think, what you've seen, and what we should see. Go to our website to find all of our older episodes, written reviews, and Netflix news. Cross the Netflix stream.com. The best and worst TV series of 2017 year-end review. I watched 86 TV seasons and miniseries this year. Here are my top 14 for this year. I didn't watch any seasons that fell into the worst category this year. and you know, I don't know how that is. I think part of it is just shows I knew I wouldn't like, I avoided. And this is based simply on what I watched this year. This is not based on what was released this year. So, you know, if I watched, um, you know, all seasons of Black Mirror every year, well, they would be on this list every single year. You know, I will say before I get into my list, the best pilot goes to Dark. It immediately hooked me. It did everything a good pilot's supposed to do. Granted, it's also a show I've seen more recently, so there may be some bias in there, recency bias. But you know what? That's why my name is the best pilot. Now, the top 14 seasons of television I saw in 2017. The first spot would have to be The Falls, Seasons 1 and Seasons 2. DSI Stella Gibson, played by Gillian Anderson, chases serial killer Paul Spector, played by Jamie Dor- And In Season 2, Spector's personal life is in disarray as Gib- Gibson closes in. I just thought this was an amazing season. It defies convention to create a subtle yet terrifying serial killer. The best way to catch a psychopath is to use a sociopath, and DSI Gibson is clinical and cold, unable to relate to people, and where Spectre, which, you know, it's interesting because the police, it seems like a sociopath, and Spectre has a family. He's employed as a grief counselor and really kind of flips the script on how we view cops and criminals. And at the same time, it makes you wonder, oh, man, this guy, uh, Spectre, he, he fits in really well. Who do I know that could be a serial killer that could blend in that well? Because in this, the mystery isn't who the killer is. This identifies the killer in the first scene. We don't look for clues to determine who but we look for clues to determine how he fits in society. How can somebody do this and who else could be doing it? This guy looks completely normal and yet he's not right. Who do you know that could be a psychopath? That person blending in, that person will be blending in right next to you and you don't even realize it. Season two really felt kind of like the second half of the story season one began. The season is the news closing in on Spectre and season one is the slow methodical and it's really chilling, just establishing who this character is. The season is The Chase. It's a different tone, which just as engrossing as season one. But man, The Fall, great show. I did watch the third season of The Fall. It did not make I watched Rectify season f- In Rectify, Daniel Holden re-enters the world after serving 19 years on death row. Season four is Daniel in Tennessee. He's got a job and a place to stay, but he doesn't quite have a grasp on life yet. It's clear this is the final season. The show funnels the storylines. To a conclusion, you know, Rectify, I feel like it's an unsung hero in the TV world. I really enjoy it, and this season is right on. This is a character drama centered on Daniel Holden, and this season is a bit too far in putting a bow on all the story arcs. I get it's the final season, but it is still doing what the show's always done. It focuses on the characters. We share in their struggles and their joys, and it doesn't matter how small or large they may be. In this season, Daniel is away from his family by court order, and he's trying to forge a new life. This season sees him learning how to interact socially. And, you know, season three, that was more of a murder mystery than the previous two seasons. And this season brings the focus back to how Daniel deals with life after being locked up for so long. By the end of the season, everyone's lives are turned upside down to varying degrees, with all the arcs ending nice and neat. Rectify was a really solid show. 
Big Little Lies, the HBO miniseries. It was seven episodes. It starred Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Shailene Woodley. The apparently perfect lives of first-grade mothers are anything but, culminating in them becoming suspects in a homicide investigation. The homicide investigation is secondary to the entanglements of their personal lives as they unfold. From the very first episode, Big Little Lies is riveting drama. While I thought solving the homicide would be the driving force, it turns out to be a minor plot point. The question becomes, who did it? Not who did it, but who's the victim? And those answers aren't revealed until the very final episode, but by the second episode, I didn't care about the murder. I just wanted to see more of these characters. They are well-written, and the acting is solid. We, Reese Witherspoon will get nominations. That was my prediction when it came out. And she has since gotten some nominations. I believe Best Acting Golden Globe. The drama is the facade that is their lives. Tension building in each situation. With each passing episode, the number of suspects that could be either the killer or a victim increases. This is an excellent series with deftly developed characters, slick editing, and a finale that reveals everything. Now, I believe I've read that there's going to be a season two. I don't know how. I really don't know why. I know why, but it really shouldn't. Season one was great as it. 13 Reasons Why, Season 1. This drama is based on the 2007 young adult novel. Clay finds a box on his doorstep addressed to him two weeks after his classmate Hannah ended her life. Inside, he discovers seven tapes outlining the 13 people that are reasons why Hannah did it. This is well-crafted, and it uses expert editing to drift between present and the past as Clay slowly uncovers a multitude of reasons that led to Hannah's death. This is a great example of why books should become a limited series instead of a movie. They need more time to unfold. The writing captures the awkwardness and pitfalls of high school with ever-changing alliances and hookups. It's engrossing as we learn more each episode with we learn more each episode while being teased about what's to come. Halfway through, I had no idea how this would end, but it details how even the most self-assured people face challenges and torment. High school is cruel and self-preservation is prevalent. Nearly any of the characters in the show will sacrifice a friend to save themselves. Suicide does happen, and it's only by talking about the issue that it can be changed. This show doesn't glorify it and never once implies it's a viable option. This is more than entertainment, using that medium to discuss a difficult subject. The show is tragic and haunting, leaving me more empathetic to everyone around me. Master of None Season 2. Aziz Ansari stars in this comedy as Dev juggling acting and dating in New York. In Season 2, he returns from Italy, lands a reality show hosting job, and is stuck in the friend zone. Master of None is one of Netflix's best comedies. It's endearing, it's heartwarming, but it's also really funny at the same time. This season is creative and takes risks, and I always appreciate when a show does that. While most episodes are half an hour, episode 9 is a full hour. The first episode is in black and white, and... Another doesn't even focus on Dev. Episodes have a lot of heart and they feel real. There are many great episodes this season and the show manages to really capture the family dynamic. This show is on another level artistically and yet it always retains that comedy. Production values are more like film this season and it's clear the creators are fans of film adding similar nuances and directly referencing Italian films. That was just absolutely great. The Detectorist, Season 1 and Season 2. Two eccentric metal detectorists spend their days plodding along open fields, hoping to disturb the tedium by unearthing the fortune of a lifetime. Fantastic show. Don't let the premise of two guys metal detecting dissuade you. That description is a disservice. This follows the drama in the lives of two best friends, Lance and Andy. Life can be serious and silly. As detectorists, they're hunting for meaning and vindication, something we all see. They are strong characters. They're flawed, fixated, 
but they never feel anything less than real. And that is the charm of this show. These just seeing the intricate life of these two guys. Rick and Morty, season one and season two, a show I've been meaning to watch for a long time. I finally got around to it. I also got to see season three this year. This is an animated series that follows the exploits of drunk, careless, super scientist Rick and his dim-witted, anxious grandson Morty as they traverse multiple universes. This show is amazing. I mean, it's bonkers in the best possible way. Each episode embraces ridiculous plot lines that are twisted and witty. Rarely do I have so much fun watching a plot unfold, wondering what in the world is going to happen next. This manages to be dark, clever, comedic, and heartfelt in 20 minutes at a time, and it does it well, too, skewering almost everything while taking silly ideas farther than you ever thought possible. I mean, some of the episodes, you got to watch it if you haven't seen it. If you have seen it, watch it again. It is that good. Rick and Morty are perfect foils, and the characters are fully realized with sharp dialogue. You have to watch this twice to catch it all, and you're not going to mind doing that one. Gravity Falls Season 1 and Season 2, another show I've been aiming to see for a very long time. Fraternal Twins, Dipper and Mabel Pine spend their summer with their great-uncle Stan, who runs a tourist trap called The Mystery Shack in Gravity Falls, Oregon. The twins soon discover the mysterious town is home to many secrets. This is a fun-for-the-whole-family type show that the target is definitely preteen. So while it doesn't attempt double duty by appealing to adults simultaneously as much as it could, it's still wonderful. I mean, I still enjoyed it very much. I just thought, uh, you know, sometimes it's just going a bit too preteen. It is fun to watch with children or fun for an adult wanting an easy watch. It subtly builds mystery and mythology that culminates in the final episode of the first season. While many episodes focus on Dipper and Mabel's crushes, it is an insanely charming show. You can't not like it. The sibling bond between Dipper and Mabel is always apparent as they frequently sacrifice for each other. The theme, the theme song is awesome. The animation is impressive and it's got great attention to detail. Second season kicks the mythology into high gear with big revelations about Gravity Falls. It feels like they're trying to finish the mythology and answer all the questions before the end, which I wish they hadn't rushed it. Knowing that this is only two seasons is disappointing because I want more. It's a fun adventure from a great show. The three-part finale in season two is fantastic, and I'd say that finale rivals many live-action shows. Narcos, season three. The first two seasons were a dramatization of Pablo Escobar's rise to power and wealth as the DEA and Agent Murphy attempt to stop him. Season two left us with the question of what happens to the cartel now. The answer is, a new empire fills the void. The Cali cartel moves in. I liked season three a lot, and it might be my favorite season of the show. It basically functions as a reboot, with many new characters providing multiple viewpoints on the drug war. Characters want to maintain power, escape the power, or capture the power. This leads to a lot of double-dealing and tension. You know, we never really got to know Escobar, not like the characters this season, and this is still, this is still for a large part, based on fact. The stock footage reminds us that when we see the show, the stock footage reminds us of that when we see the show recreated, recreated Miguel's clothes when he was apprehended. They always go to that detail, recreate that stuff. And while you can assume a lot of the drama is manufactured, it's television. It happens. It needs the drama. But using the large stories of framework is a perfect way to do this. The first two seasons were Escobar vs. Murphy. Expanding the cast, this season helps weave an engaging story. This was a great show before, and by going deeper and wider into the cartel, it just gets better. Dark Season 1. In this German-language series, a family mystery saga with a supernatural twist unfolds, taking the story back to 1986. Two missing children connect four families as they search for the kids in the present day. 
The question isn't who kidnapped the kids, but when. The years 2019, 1986, and 1953 are somehow... This is interpersonal drama, time travel, and mystery all thrown together. It's got parts of Back to the Future, Lost, and Primer. While it makes you work for it due to the sheer number of characters and a lot of quick scenes you need to remember, the experience is rewarding. The first episode throws a lot at you. It's bewildering, as it should be. And I went from skeptical it could answer all the questions and provide a satisfying inclusion to no longer caring. The ride alone is worth it. Now, you know, the last scene kind of sours me on that. But again, by episode eight, I was down for the ride. I thought it was completely worth it. This is an experience. It's bewildering. It's fascinating. And the underlying question is, are we constrained to fate or is free will an illusion? And I always love a property that's going to delve into that question. That is my top list for the year. A lot of worthy candidates, but uh, these were it. You know, and the way I rank this, I just have kind of a bar I set for media. And either you hit that bar or you don't. So this year I had 14 that hit that bar. You know, next year maybe only five. It just it depends. You know, it's, a, it's overall quality. I'm not going to say, oh, a top 10 or top five. Because, you know, some years there's just more properties that deserve to be on that list. Go to our website, crossthenetflixstream.com. This is your portal to find us on social media, our written reviews, news, previews, and videos. You can email me directly, ward at crossthenetflixstream.com. Go to iTunes or your preferred podcast player. Rate this, review it. I would appreciate it. I watch movies on Netflix so you don't have to.